I don't know if you heard, but when I was driving to the church this morning, it was early, had the news on, and in Nebraska, there's like a big old frost warning going on right now in Nebraska. Did you hear that? It's a big deal. So just be careful this week. I don't know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you maybe don't, but it's all over the news. You should listen. Um, we're in a series called Living Your Not Best Life, but Living Your Blessed Life. Say blessed. Blessed. There's a big difference between what you think is your best life and what God knows is your blessed life. And that's exactly what we're, we're looking at this series. And man, if you were here last week, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Last week, we, we talked about that um, our, our, when we give, it blesses us and it blesses others. And we learned that the key to getting blessed is trusting God. Trusting God in areas where maybe you don't trust him in or maybe you struggle trusting him in. And when we, look at, when we look at giving, we talked about that last week and how it blesses us and others. And you may have noticed something today. You may have noticed that we've got new chairs in the room. Well, new to us, chairs in the room, which is a big deal. So check this out. A church in Iowa heard that we were needing chairs. So they reached out and said, hey, we've got like 200 chairs and, uh, that are available and I said, oh my gosh, that's, that's awesome. And I, 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 I we're texting and I said, you know, are they in good shape? And he said, yeah, they're pretty nice. Well, I mean, I want to trust people, but sometimes like your, your definition of pretty nice and my definition of pretty, anyway. So I said, like, like for example, if you, some of you this summer, you spent a vacation, a week vacation camping, right? Some of you did that. And, and you came back from your camping vacation, and if someone asked you, how was vacation, you would have said, God, we had a, a pretty nice vacation. But, but I wouldn't say that if I went camping on a week vacation. First of all, I wouldn't go camping for a vacation. I wouldn't do that. But if I did go camping for a week for vacation, and I came back, and somebody asked, hey, how was your vacation, or how was your time? I'd say, well, it was like I was living as a homeless person for a week. That's what I would say. That's what somebody said to me, why don't you like camping? Give me one example. I could give you 50 examples, but I'll give you one since somebody asked me the question. Um, Joe, my wife and I, one time we vacationed on, in Western South Dakota, like the Black Hills, if you've heard of it, beautiful area. So we're there and her dad was there vacationing too, uh, he, but he had a camper set up in some field and he's an outdoorsman and fisherman and hunter and all this. So he said, hey, if you guys are West River, South Dakota, come see me. So we go to see him at this, and he has this little camper in this field out, out in the middle of nowhere. And, and he sh shows up, and he, we're talking to him, and he says, uh, yeah, if you, and, if you and the wife and the kids want to stay here, it's, it's wide open. And I'm like, I'm like, no, we don't want to stay. But he says, and then he says, but if you do, and you go to the, use the bathroom, make sure you, you unhook the, the waste tank and go and dump it. And I'm like, this is why I don't camp. And then you know what he says? You, you, want, you want to help me with something, by the way? And I'm like, oh, my God. And he says, we need to go dump the waste tank. So I have, we, we have to unhook. I know he waited for me to get there, too. That's what bothers me. We got to pray for your dad, Jody. Uh, so he waited for me to get there. We unhooked this big plastic tank full of poo. And, and we're carrying it. And I know he's purposely, like, sloshing it. It's disgusting. And so I'm like, and we go and dump it. I, so there's one reason. You want one reason? Is that enough for you? I don't want to carry your poop around and dump it places. I want to flush and know that I don't have to worry about it anymore. So, oh, that's, oh back to the chairs. I forgot what I was talking about. So the chairs... The chairs. So he sends me a picture. I'm like, okay, those, they look legit. Nice big cushion and all this. So I'm like, that's, that's great. So I text and I said, and these chairs, chairs like that are more expensive than you might think they are. And I said, well, how much do you want for them? And there's, it, there, you know, you wait for the bubbles to pop up. And I'm like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And all of a sudden they pop up. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. I'm praying to God. And all of a sudden he goes, uh, we thought we'd just give them to you. 
I went from pastor to Pentecostal. I'm like, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Blessed is he who gives and blessed is he who receives. So because they were a giving church, because they trusted God and gave, you are blessed, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, my backside is blessed. It is. Your backside is blessed. How come you're not telling your neighbor that? I said, turn. Anyway, so somebody's going to leave church and a friend's going to say, hey, what'd you learn at that Meadows church? I learned my butt is blessed. So there you go. They'll be like, that's a weird church. You're like, yep, it's Meadows. So anyway, so isn't that ironic that we would be blessed like this after we preach that message? Only God. So as we talk about living a blessed life, which I believe that you want, I believe you want that. You should. That's, God wants that for you. Um, I think we need to, like, define what blessed is. Because if you ask 10 people, you might get 10 different answers. Let me tell you what a blessed truly means. Here's a good definition. Blessed is having supernatural power working for you. That's blessed. It's nothing the world, the, the world cannot bless you in, uh, apart from God. We were blessed in this area because God put it on their heart to bless us. Supernatural power working for you. Last week we talked about if blessings are real, then cursings are also real. We don't want to talk about that much, but you can guess the definition of that. That'd be the opposite. Supernatural power working against you. Both are real. Both are prevalent. But I'm telling you this, and when we think blessings in America, a lot of times we want to talk about money. That is one of the many. But I put it impacts every area of a person's life. Here's what I thought of. Life, health, relationships, work, family, emotions, thoughts, everything. That, that, so the story that God has for us today, some of you might be familiar with it if you grew up in church circles because it involves a tax collector who was a wee little man. I don't know why I have to be Irish when I say it, but I do. So Zacchaeus was living his best life. He would tell you that. According to, again, the world that we live in, if you looked at him, he had prominence. He was not just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector in charge of others. He didn't just have prominence, he had a platform. Again, he was in charge. He also had possessions, money, a lot of it. All the tax collectors did, but a chief tax collector would have even more. And why did he have so much money? Because tax collectors uh, made, made good money collecting taxes, but they would also be notorious for skimming off the top and collecting more than they should. So even though, even though Zacchaeus would tell you, I'm living my best life, um, he was not living his blessed life at all. In, in fact, relationally, he probably wasn't living his best life because the Jews wouldn't like him because he's stealing from them. The Romans didn't like him because he was a Jew. And the Jews also didn't like him because he was working for the Romans. A lot of things going on there. Zacchaeus, well, the title, From Worst to Blessed, that's where he goes. I want to know how it happened, and I hope you do too. I'm preaching out of the Gospel of Luke. Luke 19, verse 1 is where the story unfolds. Jesus enters into a town called Jericho. He goes into Jericho, it says in verse 1. He made his way through the town, and there was a man, you already know this, named Zacchaeus, chief tax collector of the region, just like I told you he had become very rich, the Word of God says. Verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus. I'm sure he heard a lot about this man who was doing these miracles and feeding people and healing people. And he wants to get a glimpse. What's he look like? Who is he? I'm a Jew. He's a Jew. I want to I see who this guy is. So Zacchaeus wants to get a look, but he's too short. Say too short. Too short. See over the crowd. I debated on telling the joke that I told before, but you know what? It's metal, so I'll do it. So um, anyway, so I'll say Zacchaeus was so short, and then you're going to say, how short was he? Okay, so Zacchaeus was so short, how short, 
Zacchaeus was so short that even when he smoked weed, he couldn't get high. Okay? So there. Welcome to Meadows. Okay? All right. So I'm just saying it was true. So verse 4. So Zacchaeus does something that is really weird. He runs to a tree, climbs up a sycamore tree, which is also very weird for a Jewish man to do because Jewish men don't run. Okay? They don't do that. That's not a prominent thing to do, especially a guy like Zacchaeus in his position. Right? Jesus, I told you, he was a Jewish man. There ain't no record of Jesus running anywhere in Scripture. That's why I don't run. I tell people, I just want to be like Jesus, okay? So I, he don't run, I don't run, I ain't signing up for no 5K. So um, when Jesus came by, remember Zacchaeus is now up in a tree, Jesus looked up. So interesting. You'd think he'd say, Zacchaeus looked down. No, Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus. And he calls him by name. In fact, the first thing he says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must I must be a guest at your house today. I must be a guest at your house. We overcomplicate what it means to really walk a godly life or walk a Christ-like life. You know what the Word of God says? So what did Jesus say? Quick, come down. What does he do? He quickly comes down. It's not complicated. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house. I'm telling you, if you just listen to Jesus, just listen to his words, and you do what he says, your life will change. I promise you. Zacchaeus does what Jesus says. They go, to the, he's, they go to his house. He goes with great joy and generosity. But the people, how was the people? Cause him trouble. The people, they're appalled. The people were displeased, the word of God says. He's gone to Zacchaeus' house. He's gone to be a guest at that notorious sinner. Man, the worst of the worst. A notorious sinner, chief tax collector. And look what Jesus is doing. Jesus was always making the people mad, the masses mad. Jesus was different. You need to know that. I don't know if you know much about him. Jesus, he hung out with people that no one else would want to hang out with. Why would you do that, Jesus? Because he loved them. Regardless of where they'd been or who they stole from or what they'd done, Jesus loved them and he wanted to help them. Just like he wants to help you and I. He wanted to change them. He wanted to influence them. By the way, you'll never influence anybody that you refuse to associate with. Okay? I'll, I'll say that again. You'll never influence anybody that you refuse to associate with. Jesus wasn't scared of guilt by association. I love that about him. I and he had a habit of doing this, of making people mad. By the way, we have quite a few new people in the church today, which is awesome. So you, you need to know something about the church that you're in. Meadows Church. And I think many churches can say this, but, but we truly do our best to back it up. All are welcome at Meadows. Say all. all. All are welcome at Meadows. Everybody is welcome at Meadows Church. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you've been with, you are not only welcome at Meadows, you are wanted here. You're wanted. You're wanted. You, and people will say, well, how did that become the culture? It's the, it's the only culture I know. I got saved, um, you'll understand what that means later if you don't. I got saved at a church in, in South Dakota, and that was the culture there. They welcomed anybody and everybody, and it got uncomfortable. Uh, drug addict. That's what I was. And they welcomed me every week. Messed up. Uh, kept saying, come back. They, they not only welcomed me, but they, they were crazy enough to say, hey, we'd like to have you come back. 
And I'll never forget. So at that church, I get saved. I get set free. I get raised up, called into ministry. And all of a sudden, I'm a campus pastor at the campus across town in Sioux Falls. And I'll never forget the morning a host team member comes up to me. And he says, I, we got a problem. This is before service was starting. We're out in like the Welcome Center. And he says, we got a problem. I said, what's going on? He said, you see that guy over there? And I look and I see some guy and I don't recognize him. I say, yeah, I see the guy. He said, we're, we're pretty sure he's drunk. I said, well, what makes you think that he's drunk? He said, well, he reeks bad like alcohol. I said, okay. I said, uh, well, is he causing any trouble or problems? No. I said, okay. Thanks for letting me know. And he goes, don't you, you want me to ask him to leave? I said, why would you do that? Well, you know, I said, so it was a great teaching opportunity. And I said, who, are, who do we want to reach? And he knew, our, he knew we were all about lost people, just like Meadows is. Well, we want to reach the people that are struggling and broken and hurting. I said, okay, did you hear what you just said? And, he said, and I said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just want you to understand the mission that we have here. Like, like he, we want to reach him. We want him here. Like, that sounds crazy, but we want him here. And you need to understand something. When you really mean that, and you're not just saying it, you're going to get, you're going to get interesting situations. That service, I was sitting in the service... The gentleman is sitting uh, like stage right towards the back. And all of a sudden, there's this commotion and noise towards the end of the service. And uh, uh, I look back to where he is. I don't see him, but I see people looking down. Well, the guy's not sitting. And the reason I can't see him is because he's, now he's laying down on the chairs. Laying three, cha three, four chairs down. They were padded, so he was okay. But he was laying on these padded chairs. And, and, and if that wasn't enough, all of a sudden, he's snoring. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, so I think that's when I became a loud preacher because I had to speak over his. <laughs> he is back there just going to town. But, but let me ask you a question. Is it better to have that him there surrounded by people, hopefully people of God, that where he's safe and he's inside a place that should show the love of God, be surrounded by people of God, or just tell him, hey, you need to leave because you might, you might pass out and you might start snoring. So is it better to be out there in the street passed out by himself alone? See, I'll take him inside every day, all day. In fact, if we ever get our own facility someday, we might be the only church that has a drunk tank. We'll, we'll set it up. We'll put it in the back. Set, put him in there and set out the hammock and the chairs, and it'll be awesome. So, but then it won't be a distraction. So, again, welcome to Meadows. Verse 8, back to Zacchaeus. What's our point there? Jesus hung out with everybody if they were willing to hang out with him. All were welcome in, in his area, in his circle if they were receptive and repentant and wanted him. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, remember where they're at now? Now they're back at Zacchaeus' house, and, and, and Zacchaeus, we're about to hear from him for the first and only time. Zacchaeus, um, where are we at? Verse 8, stood before the Lord, and he said this, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. I hope you don't miss the significance of his statement. It's the only thing that we ever hear him say. It's the only thing he ever says in scripture that we have recorded. Do you remember the first three words he said? Let's put it up. I will, it's coming, give. Maybe it's not. But anyway, the first three words that Jesus says, or that Zacchaeus says, is, I will give. Think about that. That is against everything in him. That is the exact opposite of his worldly nature. Zacchaeus was all about him. He was all about getting. He meets Jesus, and all he wants to do is give and give abundantly. The very thing he treasured, money, was the very thing he gave away. 
Why? Because he met Jesus and Jesus changes everybody he meets. Everybody. How, Jesus, do you do this? I mean, Zacchaeus, are you kidding me? All he cared about was his stuff. Four times as much. You don't have to do that. I could bring you back to the law of Leviticus and show you where that was no law that he had to get back four times as much in this situation. But he did. Because, because something had happened to Zacchaeus. Something significant. Let's put up, put, just put up verse 8 one more time. There's something else that we need to see in the verse. Zacchaeus stands before the Lord and he says that one thing that we hear him say. The only thing that we ever hear him say in scripture anyway. Notice what he calls Jesus. What's he call him? Isn't that interesting? When he was up in the tree, when he was running, when he was looking in the beginning of the story... Jesus wasn't Lord to him. Jesus was Jesus, this guy from Nazareth who's doing some crazy stuff. Now all of a sudden he's Lord. What happened? Something, ha something dramatic happened in Zacchaeus. Something so dramatic that it caused him to say the things that he said. Zacchaeus had the love of God in him. You can tell from what he called Jesus. And if you hear nothing else, I hope you hear this next point. God's love in you God's love in me, God's love in us will always lead to giving from us. Financially, yeah, that's one piece of it. But I'm talking about your time. I'm, I'm talking about every aspect of your life. When God's love is in you, look at Zacchaeus. I mean, he was a taker. All of a sudden, he's a giver. God's love in you will always lead to giving from you. It always will. It always will. I promise you that. God, so we, I've said this before, and I love saying it because it's so true. In, in, in John, John says God is love. We define love a bunch of different ways in our world. They define it as God. The word of God says I'm love. God is love, and God loves to give. God is a great gift giver. For God so loved the world, he? Amen. So God loves to give. That means love loves to give. See, love will prompt giving from you. I will never forget. It was, it's probably been three, maybe four years ago. Very early in our days. I was preaching a message. And uh, it was about the gift nature of God. And how he is this, he has the giving nature. And how he, he is so generous in what he does. In everything he does. With his grace, with his mercy, with his forgiveness. With his provision, with his blessings. And he's this giver. And I'm preaching this message and it seems like it's going so good. And all of a sudden, this guy gets up and walks out. Now, that never is good on a pastor's psyche, right? We just assume the worst. I tried to assume the best. I just thought, well, maybe there's some guy next to him laying down snoring. So I, I don't know. Don't know what it is. The guy left. And I'm like, all right, well, who knows? I kept preaching. He didn't stay gone. He came back. After the services, he comes up to me. And it's a guy that I knew. And he came up to me and he said, did you notice that I left during the service? I said, yeah, I did, you jerk. <laughs> I said, yeah, I did. What's your deal? He said, I had to. I, ha I couldn't wait. And I, so he described to me what he did. It's nuts. So he's sitting. He was sitting in the service. He leaves. And he tells me that he's prompted as, as he's hearing about the generous nature of God and, and what God does in us because we love God. And he was convicted because he hadn't been giving. So he said, we, we gave for a while and then didn't give. And he said he felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. He leaves immediately, drives to an ATM, takes out money, comes back and shoves it in the vase. And I'm like, that's crazy. That, that, that was, I mean, I thought that was, the, so maybe the Holy Spirit is doing that in you right now. And to make it convenient, I've actually put an ATM in the prayer room. So I'm kidding, I'm kidding. 
It's actually right over. I'm kidding. Stop it. So, no. But, but that was, I mean, that's, talk about immediate, immediate obedience. Are you kidding me? Remember where the Bible says, hey, if you got something going on, leave your, leave your, leave your uh, um, sacrifice at the altar and go and make it right. It's like, well, that's what he did. Like, literally. Leaves during the service. It was amazing. So, but that wasn't about the money, by the way. That was his heart. And that's the key. That is the key. And you'll see that. I'm getting ahead of myself. I get excited. Verse 9. We're almost through the story together, you guys. Verse 9. Jesus says something, again, crazy, because Jesus is in the habit of doing that. Jesus makes a statement and says, salvation has come to this home. Remember, Zacchaeus just said, I'll give, Jesus. And Jesus says, salvation's come to this home. For this man has shown himself. Say shown. He's shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Uh, Jesus, excuse me, I've got a question. You basically just said, like, salvation means saved. That means, like, you're saved. Like, you, you, heaven is your home, and, and, and your life is transformed. And I guess, I'm, I mean, where I grew up, I, you know, Jesus, I didn't hear Zacchaeus say that he believed that you were the son of God. He didn't declare that, Jesus. I thought that's part of it, is you believe Jesus is the son of God. Zacchaeus didn't say it, Jesus. Jesus, I didn't hear Zacchaeus pray any kind of a special salvation prayer. You didn't pray the prayer first, and then he repeated after you, and then you said some more, and then he said some. I didn't hear any of that. I'm confused, Jesus. My, my theology is mixed up right now. Let's put up verse 9 again. You've already said the word, but we'll see it. Salvation has come to this home, for this man has shown himself. We always say it's not about what you declare at the end of the day. It's about what you demonstrate. It, it is a fact. I'm, I, I can tell you this. Zacchaeus didn't have to say anything. Zacchaeus did not have to pray anything. Why? Because Jesus had his heart. And when Jesus has your heart, it will change the way you love. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you give. It will change you. I promise you. He was, Jesus saw this taker, this selfish stealer thief, say, I'll give it away. There's my pile of butt. Take it. It doesn't mean nothing to me anymore. Jesus, I want to know more about you. I want to know more about your love. You seem to care so much about me when no one else does. I want you. And he didn't have to say anything or pray anything because it was a done deal. Because faith, like we talked about last week, faith is a substance. Faith is a verb in the Bible. Make no mistake. It is action. It is a verb. It is a substance that produces evidence. And the evidence in Zacchaeus' life was specifically his giving. That's all Jesus needed to see. This man's going to give it all away. Okay, well. I don't need to hear anything. You don't need to declare anything. I'm seeing your faith. He's shown himself to be a true son. He's shown himself to be a true son. That's why I love saying this. Genuine faith always, always produces action. Genuine faith always results in action. Always. It always does. Well, what do you mean genuine faith? I mean genuine faith. Because the Bible says there's an ingenuine faith. There's a fake faith. Do you know that? You should read 2 Corinthians 5. That's your homework for the week. Paul's writing to the church, and he talks about ingenuine faith. And he even tells the church, examine yourself. Make sure your faith's real. Because there's faith out there that's fake. Faith that isn't real. So, and you'll know, how, well, how do I know? Well, genuine faith would result in action. And I know this, and, this, and the action will be different for everybody. Like, like for that man in service, it prompts him to get up and go to the ATM. For me, the, 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 the day I knew that, okay, I'm different. Something's different about me. It was worship. It was music worship. 
Because I've been to church, like many of you grew up going to church, and when I went to a church where they would stand up and sing, I'd stand up. I'd, I'd always do that. I'd sing. Sometimes I'd just mouth it, but I'd, 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 I'm, I'm game. But pretty soon, one day at church, after I'd really surrendered everything to Jesus, we're, we're sitting there in worship music, and all of a sudden I'm like, my hand starts like doing this. And I, I don't know if I was having a stroke or what was happening, but I thought, this is weird. And, 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 and the next week, my hands kept getting higher because pretty soon it went from this to like holding my hands out like, like I'm helping my friend, you know, move the box from here to there. And I'm like, pretty soon I'm like this the next week. And the following week it got weirder because all of a sudden my hands went from my waist to up here like I'm getting arrested. Okay, of course, I don't know anything about that as far as you know. But anyway, so it's like here. And the week after that, pretty soon it was like touchdown and my hands are up here. And they're doing this. And the week after that, I knew that, that I knew that I knew that Jesus was in me. Because that next week, I was washing windows in the name of Jesus. And like, woo, praise God. I knew. Action. Say action. Some of you, you got to wash some windows, huh? Huh? Wash some windows. Oh, by the way, just a little. A li Jesus has come to heaven like a child. There's something about childlike faith where they get it. They're not so reserved or worried about what everybody else is thinking. They'll wash windows. They'll clap. They don't care. Because you need to know something. A, a child that can't make their own decisions, they're covered by the grace of God. And the reason that Jesus has come to heaven as a child because they have this childlike faith. Who runs children? Who climbs trees? Children. Oh, wait, Zacchaeus did that. Yeah, God was drawing him in. Last week, someone caught footage of a girl in our service listening to one of our, our new Meadows Church music songs. Just, just check out this, this quick clip. Don't you love it? She, I love it. She goes from clapping to sitting to standing. I mean... The, 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 the Holy Spirit in you. I mean, it will, it will result in action. I promise you. Zacchaeus wasn't saved, by the way, by being good. Or even promising to do good things like pay back other people that he stole from. Those things didn't save him. It was his response by faith to Jesus. It, it, it was his response by faith. This is what I'm going to do. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're changed. You're different. You're, I'll get vulnerable with you. So many times in my life, I've tried to change, it, it, just myself. I, and, and I think we should be repenting and turning and changing, but if you're doing it by yourself and you're not doing it with the help of God, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I would try to change it. I would, I would be like, I would, I would maybe serve for a little bit. Lo and behold, I'd, I'd fall away. I'd, I'd give for a little bit. Lo and behold, I'd stop. Even in my drug addiction, I tried hundreds of times to stop using, only to keep going back. Only to again and again. Why? Because I couldn't do it. it, it and man, so, some of you, you're going to get set free just hearing this. That in and of yourself, you can't do it. And you don't have to live that way. You don't have to be exhausted that way. way. And I, re I realized something, and this was so freeing for me. God, I pray that this, this next scripture is going to free somebody from the bondage they've been in for trying and trying and trying. I need to stop looking at porn. I need to stop talking that way. I need to stop getting angry. I need to stop lashing out. I need to stop telling lies. I need to stop. 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 I'll give you a scripture that I hope changes you. Proverbs. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your what? Guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. 
It's the heart that determines your actions. Why would Zacchaeus pay all that back and, and it go above and beyond? His heart had been transformed. It's, it's your heart. So here, here's the key, and here's what God showed me, and this was so amazing for me, and I hope it is for you. If it comes to the heart, see, I can't, you can't change from the outside in. You can't do it. That's what I kept trying to do. Talk about frustrating and, and overwhelming. You can only change from the heart, from the inside out. It's all you can, and only Jesus can do that for you. You can't do it. So I'd say to you, if if your heart isn't, say you don't have a heart to give. You're like, I hear about people giving and I hear that we're doing this with money, but I don't don't really have a desire. Just pray. Pray that God would change that because he can. Pray to him. Maybe you don't have a heart to serve and be be the hands and feet of Jesus and be the church. Pray. Pray, God, you change my heart in that area. Maybe it is a person, maybe it's addiction like me, or maybe it's something else that you struggle with. We've all got crap, we've all got things, we've all got a past, we've all been there. Pray, believe in the power of prayer, and pray to God, God, change my heart in this area. I can't do it, but you, you can do it. By the way, back to the giving piece. I said this last week, and I believe it with all my heart. Most people that aren't giving want to. Most people do. They just can't get there. That was my story. I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I know what the word says. I know that the church is doing generous things. I want to be a part of do, being that. I'm part of the church, but I couldn't do it because I got bills and I'm, I, I'm behind and I've got all these things and, and debt. And that's why, and I, I, I pray that you'll take this seriously. That's why we offer financial peace. It was offered to me and my wife, my wife, my wife Jody, and it changed us. So financial peace, it starts next Sunday. It's once a week for nine weeks. And there's a cost, 60, 70, 80 bucks. I don't even know what it is. But here's my, here's my, I've never done this before, but here's what I'll tell you. If you do it and you go to all, all nine weeks, once a week, uh, we'll pay your money back to you. I'm just desperate to see you get under the umbrella of God and his blessings for your life. And most people, this is an area that they struggle with the most. It was me. And if that's you, and if you're interested in this at all, just write financial peace on your Connect card. Uh, watching online, type it in the comments. I'm begging you if this is an area of struggle at all. Even if it's not an area of struggle and you just want to, you know, get some balances right or get, get, maybe get a, 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 a budget, whatever, take it. This is huge. And the reason I'm so big on it is because I've, I've done it. I'm not going to try to sell anything that I don't think is going to work and it's all biblical. So it's, it's huge. But believe in the power of God while you're, while, as we talk here. Believe as you pray to God that he has the power to change you. By your faith, he says, you've been healed. By your faith, you've been set free. If you're praying faithless prayers, I, I just not pray. It's just a waste of time. Back your prayers up with your faith and believe. Don't you think that if God can change Zacchaeus, if God can change me, oh, what he can do in you, oh, what he wants to do in you. God, by the way, Zacchaeus Funny. Names were a big deal back then. All names mean something, but Zacchaeus means righteous. You remember the first thing that Jesus said to Zacchaeus? Remember what he said? His name. Zacchaeus, come on, come down. Righteous, come down. The last thing the dude in the tree felt was righteous. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, he didn't. There's a reason he scaled the tree. Luke 19.10, let's finish up this scenario with Jesus and Zacchaeus. One of the most famous verses in scripture that you may, maybe know. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. 
For Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And the devil will tell you, you're not lost. Zacchaeus thought he was seeking Jesus. Zacchaeus. See, Jesus is coming. I got to watch for him. I got to hit the tree. I got to climb up there. I'm seeking Jesus. But what did scripture say? Do you remember? It didn't say Zacchaeus looked down seeking Jesus. It said Jesus looked up. Why was Jesus going through Jericho? I wonder if it was one thing on his agenda. I need to meet him. He is dead. He's dying. There's so much more for him. That's not a best life. He's living his worst life. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Guys, Matthew, James, we got to go through Jericho. We have to. Master, that's not on our way. No, it is on our way. But we're supposed to, no. And they go through Jericho. And Jesus looks up. I gotta be with you today. I must. I bet he, I bet Zacchaeus was so perplexed. What in the world? Jesus, there's thousands of people. I'm just some thief. Yeah, you're exactly who I came for, Zacchaeus. Righteous one. Some of you, I don't know if you're living by what Jesus calls you or what you call yourself when you look in the mirror or what other people have called you because of what you've done or where you've been. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't call you by where you've been or what you've done or who you've been with? Aren't you grateful today that God calls you by name? Your name, your name. How about at the count of three, shout your name. One, two, three. He wants to hear your name. He loves hearing your name. Zacchaeus, come down. Salvations come to this man's house. I came to seek and save those who are lost. There are those here today, you are broken. You are hurting. If, if that's you, if you're that, if you're broken, if you're hurting, maybe you feel desperate or defeated. I'm telling you, Jesus came for you. You matter to God. You need to know that. Maybe you feel washed out. You feel worn out. You feel hopeless like I was. When I walked into that church or you feel helpless, I'm telling you, you matter to God. And to the cast outs, to the dropouts, to the last picks or the hypocrites like me, you matter to God. You're not who the world says you are. You're not who you label yourself as. You're who God says you are. You matter to God. If you believe it, give him praise right now. Give him a shout. Right. God He's draw, always drawing us in. We got people getting baptized today. We're excited. I'll ask if that's you. You can head out over to the sign over there. And we'll get a quick picture of you. And then we're going to have you come up. And as they transition to the sign, let me tell you a little bit about their story. Because their story is my story. Do you know, what, you know why they're taking a step of faith? By the way, notice that that baptism, it's all about action. It, 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 it's all about what happens. It's all about de declaration, demonstration. So as they prepare for this, the, and I don't want to burst your bubble, those of you getting baptized, but they already know this. They're not getting baptized because they're good. I love you, but that's not why you're getting baptized. And you know that. They're not getting baptized because of what they did. 
of how they loved or how good they are or how good of a husband, wife, friend they are. That's not why they're getting baptized. Nothing they've done is the reason they're getting baptized. It's what they believe Jesus did. That's why they're getting baptized. Now you really get to hear the heart of Meadows Church. I believe if you ask most people what it means to surrender your life to Christ or what it means to live a blessed life, you know, they would say, well, you know, be a good person. Treat others the way you want to be treated, the golden rule. That Jesus said that, right? He did. You're right. That has nothing to do with you having salvation. It doesn't. It's a byproduct of salvation. Salvation comes one way. The reason that these four are getting baptized is because they've actually put their faith, which is action, they put their faith and trust in Jesus. This is how you're saved if you don't know. God, lean into this. You'll never be good enough, ever. Perfection is what God demands because he loves you that much. The only people in heaven are perfect people. Did you know that? And you'll never be perfect. Oh my gosh, Pastor, that doesn't sound good then. Well, actually, there's a reprieve. There's a chance. There's a hope. There's a man that is perfect. And he says, if you put your faith in him, Jesus, and you trust him with all your crap and all your secrets and all your sins and all your lies, and you ask him to, to forgive those sins, and you repent, and you say, I don't want to live that way anymore, and, and you ask him to come into you and make you new, and you believe he's the, the son of God and the savior of the world, and you mean it, he'll, the Holy Spirit will enter into you. That's salvation. It's God's grace covered you by your faith. That's it. You can't earn it. You do need to receive it. You do need to do that by faith. That's why they're saved. That's why, um, and salvation isn't just about heaven. That, that's, that's obviously a huge piece of it, but their blessed life starts it's already started. They're declaring their blessed life today. It doesn't mean easy life. It doesn't mean um, no problem life. Trouble-free life. It doesn't mean any of that. If you've ever heard that, that's a lie. It means abundant life, fulfilled life, purpose-driven life, Christ-filled life. What you're about to witness is supernatural. I hope you understand. Remember blessed, supernatural, favor on your behalf. What they're going to do is supernatural. So I'm going to ask the, the four to come up. And they're going to just, uh, I'm going to ask them two questions so you can hear it. Why they want to get baptized and how Jesus has changed them. And they're going to answer those. And then they're going to get baptized. First, we'll make a declaration together. So Megan, you get closer to me, okay? I know you're a little, <laughs> I don't know. It's iffy, trust me. Come on, Angelita, Karen, Aubrey. Give it up for these ladies. Look at them. You're getting baptized. You're getting baptized. I'm going to ask you some questions. You already know these questions. You've already answered them, but it's for the people to hear that, that what you believe, nothing you've done has saved you. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save you. He's the only door that leads to life. He's it. So, and you'll just answer these questions. You've already answered them, but again, for the church and for everybody watching online, I'll ask you a question, and you can say, we do, Okay. Do you believe that God is the one and only God? The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and that all that is and ever shall be flows from his almighty hand. If you believe that, say we do. I like it. Do you believe that his son, the key to salvation, Jesus Christ, do you believe Jesus Christ was sent from God? He was crucified. 
He was dead and buried. But three days later, that man rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He now sits at the right hand of the Father. If you believe that, say we do. Do you believe that it's Holy Spirit, that when you confess Christ Jesus as your Savior and accept him as the Lord of your life, that the Holy Spirit came into you, physically came into you, to guide you, convict you, and teach you the ways of God? If you believe that, say we do. Resurrection is, is a huge piece of salvation. If Jesus didn't come back to life, this is all, this doesn't need to happen. None of this matters. I forgot to give you one scripture that is huge. God gave it to me this week. It wasn't planned for the message, but you need to hear it. Galatians 2.21. Paul's writing to you and I and to a church in Galatia. Listen to what he says. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. If it, it, for if keeping the law, if doing good things could make me right or make us right with God, then there's no need for Christ to die. You, you'll never be good enough. You can't. Jesus. That's why Christ died. And he can't, and I'm telling you, if a man can, if a man can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he can take what's dead in you and bring it back to life. He has for these ladies. So, Megan, I'll start with you. You already know the two questions. And uh, what prompted you? Why do you want to get baptized today? It, uh, Sorry, I'm just a little speechless. Um, it's okay. It, it's a lot. It is a lot. You take your time. The reason why I want to get baptized is to publicly announce that I'm following Christ now. I want forgiveness for my sins. I, <laughs> I just, there's so much that he's done to change me, and I just, I'm sorry. Some things you can't describe audibly. And here's the great thing. Megan, you don't have to. Zacchaeus didn't. It's what he did. I talked to a friend, a coworker, Sue. You know who you are. Just met her today. You know what she said? Megan's life has done a 180. You know what it sounds like? She's shown herself to be a true child of God. Would you give it up for Megan getting baptized? You kind of already answered how Jesus has changed your life. Yeah, Jesus um, has changed my life. He's helped me get sober from alcohol. I've been sober for over three months now. I uh, was crying, and I asked him for help, and he answered my prayer. And... Since he's answered my prayer, thanks to my friend's mom, hand me a book that says God sees her. It has just changed my life in more ways than I can express. I'm so proud of you, Megan. And to the person that invited Megan to church, and you know who you are. He's, you just said he's not here. Well, he'll, he'll see it online. <laughs> the power of an invitation, I'm telling you. I pray we always invite. You don't know what people are going through. So, all right. Angelita, why do you want to get baptized? To cleanse my spirit. To cleanse yourself, yeah. That's what you're declaring and showing is the old is gone, the new is here. That's what it represents to go down in death 
and come back in life. How has Jesus changed you? He broke down my walls and helped me walk into a life of sobriety. Give it up. He breaks down walls. He breaks down barriers. He'll do whatever it takes. Thank you for Karen, why do you want to get baptized today? I have a lot of uh, children that are looking up to me, and I want to lead them to the right path. It's an example that you're setting as well, and it's huge. The influence that we have as parents in our kids' life, don't underestimate it. How has Jesus changed you? I have more faith. He did. Faith is something that isn't just one and done. Sanctification is growing in Christ. It's a big word, but that's what it means. Karen's growing in Christ. Every time you come to church, your faith builds. Every time you read the word of God, it builds. When you, when you declare your faith out loud, your faith builds. I'm proud of you. Give it up for, for Karen. Aubrey? Why do you want to get baptized today, Aubrey? Um, because I want forgiveness for my sins, and uh, I was baptized Catholic, and it's just not... It's not me. It's not my faith. So, I'm grateful that, I mean, she said that. I grew up Catholic, and I, I have nothing. I, I never would badmouth that. I would just tell you that the reason that we baptize people when they're old enough is because every example in the Word of God is that. Everyone. Even Jesus, who's our ultimate example. Jesus wasn't baptized as a baby. And if you have been, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I was too. So don't, please don't hear that. Um, I just, we just, I just want to, God said, lead this church. He said, you preach the word and you live it out and you teach it. And I've studied scripture and it's not in there. Jesus was dedicated at the temple when he was eight days old, baptized at about 30 years old. So, so that's why we do it when people like Aubrey are old enough to make the decision for themselves. Because babies ain't making that decision, are they? They're just pooping their pants up there, aren't they? It's terrible. So terrible. How has Jesus changed you? He brought me to the light. I was making all the wrong decisions, and now I'm making better ones. Will you give it up for Aubrey? Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.